0: Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning, the final from Angels Stadium out there in California. It's the Indians 3, the Angels 2. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And I didn't get to see a lot of the game yesterday. I actually had a late night old man softball game. We usually play Sunday mornings, but we play a few Wednesday nights. And guess what? Your podcast host here had a walk off sack fly in this second game of the doubleheader, so that was pretty cool. Um, but yeah, let's get into the actual game the actual baseball game yesterday because old man softball is very far from actual baseball. The Indians take two out of three from the LA Angels and they take the series. They end up going three for you know, three and four on the road trip, so. You know, it looks bad, right? It, you know, it felt bad, that four-game winning losing streak. But in the end, if I were to tell you the Indians are going out to the West Coast and they're going to go three and four, you know, in two series out there, you'd probably be like, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Traveling a long way, playing in a different time zone, facing teams they don't face normally. Uh, you'd live with three and four on a road trip. So they uh, they lose one series. They win the second series. And uh, you know what? It's not looking too bad in the standings after all that. Uh, they're two and a half games behind the White Sox, and uh, yeah, I mean twenty three and eighteen. They're still five games over five hundred. It's uh, it's not it's not the worst road trip the Indians have ever gone on. Uh, do the White Sox play today? The White Sox do not play today. The Twins do. The Twins have a crazy day. They have to go out. I believe they were just playing at home against the White Sox. They had a day game, so they probably got out of there and got on the road right away. Um, so the Twins are going out to LA. They're playing a doubleheader against the Angels, a 4.07 Eastern start, a 7.07 uh, Eastern start for the second game. Uh, So I guess that would be a 1 o'clock and a 4 o'clock game out there in L.A. And then they have to fly all the way across the country to Cleveland for a game Friday night. So if the Twins are a little bit jet-lagged on Friday, we'll all understand. Uh, But let's get into... You know what? Actually, before we get into this game, Corey Kluber threw a no-hitter yesterday for the Yankees. And uh, former Indian, of course. Former Indian, great. Probably one of the few players that not, you won't find one single Indians fan that has a problem with Corey Kluber. Uh, his, You know, he got to the end of the road here in Cleveland. He dealt with injuries for a long time. A long, I mean, even in 2018, he was still dealing with injuries. And uh, he's finally healthy. He's pitching for the Yankees. And he goes and no hits the Texas Rangers, who traded for him, gave up Emmanuel Classe for him. Only got one one inning out of them or something like that. One game out of them. And uh, now he no-hits them. So the Texas Rangers joined the list of teams that have been no-hit twice in the season with Seattle and Cleveland. So all three of them are on no-hit watch right now to see if anyone could do it three times in a season. And uh, whew, nobody wants that record. So yeah, congratulations to Corey Kluber. That's awesome for the former Indian uh, in the beginning of the season, it looked a little iffy. He couldn't even make it out of the fifth inning. So clearly, clearly, he is warming up this season. All right, now we will get into this actual game. And the Indians did just enough to win yesterday. I mean, neither team hit very well. Uh, the Indians had eight hits. The uh, Angels had five. Both teams come, you know, each had five hard-hit balls, 95-plus mile per hour exit velocity each. Savali gave up five. Otani, the started for the Angels, gave up four. And then Sled- Sledgers gave up one in the uh, – that would have been the ninth inning. So, uh, yeah, neither team was really, really crushing the ball. Uh, we've seen much, much harder-hit games in this series. But the Indians do just enough to win. And it was a combination of crazy defensive plays and, uh, you know, timely base stealing and all sorts of things that kind of combined for this win. I mean, we have situations like Otani gets caught stealing second base by Austin Hedges, and we'll talk about that in a second. Um, Fromeo Reyes gets caught going to third base. After leading off an inning with a double, Vermeer Reyes gets caught at third base trying to steal. And you're asking, why is fermil Reyes stealing? The ball got away uh, from the Angels catcher. Who was catching for them yesterday? That would be Kurt Suzuki. And Suzuki just, it. I think it hit off the Indians player and kind of came right back to Suzuki. It was just a bad situation for fermil Reyes. We know he's got the wheels when he needs the wheels, but he was just kind of hung out to dry because the ball... Hung around Suzuki, it didn't go as far as you think it would go. Sorry, it's going to be hard to figure out who the heck was playing for the Angels yesterday because with Otani pitching and no DH, they have a ton of double switches and things like that. And players played multiple, multiple positions. Upton and uh Upton played three different positions in the outfield, Rojas played three different positions in the outfield. I say that because it was left field, center field, left field, and then right field, left field, right field. So they didn't play all three, but they played three different positions at different points in the game. So yeah, they used a ton of players yesterday. So this looks like a National League box score uh, compared to the Indians' American League box score that we're used to seeing. There were more crazy defensive plays. Josh Naylor uh, threw a guy out at second base from right field in the eighth inning. It was a ball that one-hopped him that he slid for, and the runner had to hesitate. The runner, it was a hard-hit ball. Well, actually, I don't know if it was a hard-hit ball. Let's go to the actual scoreboard. Let's go to the actual play. Um, No, it was only 84.3 miles per hour uh, into right field, so it wasn't incredibly hard hit. Uh, It one-hops Naylor, who slid for it, right? And he's able to scoop it like a first baseman on his slide, so it hangs the runner Suzuki out to dry, and then he's able to fire the ball into second and actually get the force out at second base. It's a very heads-up play. It was a very athletic play, and uh, it, it was the kind of crazy thing that just kept happening last night. Uh, these, these defensive plays to kind of put guys in bad situations, right? From your Reyes gets put in a bad situation on the base paths. Now Kurt Suzuki gets put in a bad situation on the base paths. The other great defensive play is Ahmed Rosario had a chance to score late in the game. He had a chance to score in the top of the seventh inning. Uh, After he walked to lead off the inning, Austin Hedges lays down a sack bunt to move him up to second. Cesar Hernandez single to center, but Ahmed Rosario is held up at third base. Uh, after a pitching chain, Eddie, change, Eddie Rosario flies out to left fielder Justin Upton. I thought Ahmed, Ahmed Rosario had a great jump at third base. I, Justin Upton just threw an absolute strike from uh, from left field. He was moving to his right. He was kind of moving around to his right and in, so he really set himself up in a good position to throw. And that's key as an outfielder, Right. There's a difference between catching a fly ball and then setting yourself up to throw from a fly ball. The fact that he was able to get behind the ball, get a few steps, get a little momentum going forward, so as soon as he made that catch, he could come up firing. And he was actually throwing from behind Ahmed Rosario. I mean, he was pretty close to the line here. And he's throwing behind Ahmed Rosario, which is a really tough angle for an outfielder. And he almost he almost dropped it in like... Uh, LeBron James or Kevin Love throwing a full court pass to a to a guard that's streaking down the court for a, you know a breakaway layup. You got to get the ball up and over and drop it in the basket, and that's kind of what uh, Justin Upton did here. It's a really incredible throw, and he gets it up over Ahmed Rosario, drops it in Kurt Suzuki's lap, and he's able to put the tag on Rosario at home. I don't blame Ahmed Rosario there. I thought he got a great jump. I think Justin Upton just made a fantastic throw. So, yeah, so there were crazy defensive plays, crazy plays happening all over the place. Uh, there, were, there were successful stolen bases. There were successful stolen bases. Upton did steal second base uh, off of Savali and Hedges. And then uh, Jose Ramirez had two stolen bases, Um, He got Otani and Suzuki, and then he stole third base off of Watson and Suzuki. And Ahmed Rosario was able to steal base there in the, uh, was that in the eighth inning he's able to steal a base? off Or in the ninth inning off of Sledgers. Um, So yeah, so Ahmed Rosario adds a stolen base as well. So there were a ton of successful stolen bases, um, which let's talk a little bit about Austin Hedges' pop time. Now, pop time is the big stat we're going to talk about today, and it's a combination of the catcher's footwork, getting in a throwing position, the exchange, the glove to the release, so getting the ball out of the glove and getting it out of your hand, and then, of course, the arm strength, the velocity of the throw. Now, this is something you could easily measure with a stopwatch, right? It's, you know, they they've been... And in fact, MLB StatCast website says this. They've been doing this in the minor leagues forever. We now have the StatCast data, though. We have the computer data now, as opposed to just a coach standing there with a stopwatch and clicking it as soon as he hears the pop of the mitt and clicking it again as soon as he hears the pop of the uh, shortstop or second baseman's mitt out there in the field. So now this is pretty accurate. The only problem is they have not updated StatCast since 2019. There's no data on StatCast for 2020, and there's no data on StatCast for 2021. So I would love to tell you that Austin Hedges is dominating pop time for 2021, but there's no data out there right now. I will tell you, in 2019, uh, when he split time between San Diego and Cleveland, he was Fourth in baseball in pop time at 1.92. So I'm guessing this is measured in seconds. I'm guessing this is 1.92 seconds from the moment the ball... Yes, it is. 1.92 seconds from the moment the ball hits his glove to the moment the ball hits the second baseman's glove or shortstops. The best in baseball in 2019 was JT Realmuto from the Phillies. He was at 1.89 Uh, Then Jake Rogers in Detroit, although he only had eight attempts. It's almost an outlier here. You know, I'm going to set the minimum of attempts at 10. Let's get rid of these outliers here. Um, So that puts Austin Hedges third. Eight attempts. That wasn't enough. Uh, Real Muto. These are these are attempts at second base, by the way. They have a separate category for pop time at third base. Uh, So at second base, Real Muto had 37 attempts. Uh, Contreras had, was second. Wilson Contreras from the Cubs, he had 27 attempts. He was at 1.92. Austin Hedges had 18 attempts. He obviously didn't play that much once he came to Cleveland uh, behind Roberto Perez. Uh, his pop time was at 1.92. So I took an outlier out there with uh, setting the minimum attempts to 10. Uh, that puts Roberto Perez in at 13th. His pop time was 1.96. So we're talking fractions of seconds that separate these guys here. We could also look at arm strength, and just based on arm strength alone, the the best arm strength would go to the Marlins, Jorge Alfaro. Uh, In 27 attempts, his arm strength averaged 86.7, I'm guessing, miles per hour. Uh, Francisco Mejia was up there at 85.7. He was third. Where does Austin Hedges come in on this list? I thought he was decently high. Roberto Perez comes in at 18th when it comes to just pure arm strength at 79.7 miles per hour where is austin hedges he comes in at 31st on this list woof 30 at 78 miles per hour now that's the arm strength let's talk about the exchange so this is just the time from the ball hits your mitt to the time you can get the ball out of your mitt this time austin hedges comes in at 11th at 0.68 seconds uh, let's see, where does Roberto Perez comes in at 30th at 0.73. So again, we're talking fractions of seconds. The best at this was Tony Wolters for the Rockies in the 2019 season at 0.64. So yeah, so that is a little bit about pop time. Uh, it turns out Austin Hedges is really, really good at it. He doesn't have the best arm strength, you know, the biggest arm as far as catchers go. He's very quick on the exchange. And he gets the ball down to second base incredibly, incredibly fast. So, uh, yeah, and he got Otani. He nailed Otani. It went to review, and they got a perfect replay of it where you can see the tag go right down the knee that Otani tucks to slide. It hits him right on the knee before his foot hits the bag. So Austin Hedges, pretty darn good back there behind the plate and I, I'd love to see what the 2021 data is because his his exchange his pop time has actually uh, his exchange has gone in faster every season since 2015 his pop time uh, actually has been faster in previous seasons in 2016 his pop time was 1.87 in 2017 1.89 a little slower in 2018 1.94. And then 1.92 now, in not now in 2019. So I'd love to see how that data continues to extrapolate in 2020 and 2021. We'll see if they uh, if they update these things. Um, so yeah, so that is a little bit about Austin Hedges and the pop time, and it works to get Otani, obviously one of the best players in baseball and a hell of an athlete to get him at second base. Speaking of Otani, the last thing I want to talk about is this pitching matchup, because Savali was absolutely dealing yesterday, and Otani uh, was kind of just stringing it along. Um, Otani was on a bit of a pitch count. He only threw 72 pitches. He only lasts four and two-thirds. He gives up five hits, two earned runs, two walks, and five strikeouts. Uh, Aaron Savali goes seven innings, only four hits, two earned runs as well, one walk, and Eight strikeouts, one of those was a solo home run, 114 pitches, he was really dealing out there. On 114 pitches, only five hard hit balls. So pretty good job, and obviously the rest of the Indians bullpen. Classe dominates the uh, eighth inning, gives up a hit, no walks, no strikeouts, on only nine pitches to get out of it. And then James Karinchek dominates the ninth inning. Yes, he does walk someone with two outs, but he gets two strikeouts, including a big strikeout looking on a curveball to end the game. But Savali versus Otani—I don't know what was going on with Otani. Uh, they talked about it on the broadcast. I'm sure if you were listening on the radio or if you were listening, you know, in your car, uh, in your car, that'd be on the radio. If you were watching on TV, then you know that they were talking about his velocity because. Ready for this? So his max velocity on his fastball, on his four-seam fastball, which he threw 29 times in most of any pitch, was 95 miles per hour. That was the max velocity. The minimum velocity on his fastball was 84.7 miles per hour. That's almost an 11-mile-per-hour difference just on his fastball. This isn't the fastball compared to a changeup. This is throwing your fastball as a changeup. He doesn't have a changeup, so this is pretty bizarre, and it was happening on all his pitches. The cutter that he threw 23 times, the difference in speed, the max was 86 miles per hour, the minimum was 80 miles per hour. Uh, His splitter, his split-finger fastball, the difference on this pitch, his max speed was 87.1 miles per hour, his minimum speed was 79.3 miles per hour, almost 8 miles per hour difference on his splitter. Um, and all his pitches were down from his yearly averages. His fastball average was down 5.3 miles per hour. Cutter was down 4.1. Splitter was down 6.6. And slider was down 4.2. So is he having some elbow problems? Is he just tired from a long series against the Indians? You know, a battle against the Indians team? Maybe. I mean, it'll be interesting to see what he does in his next pitching outing. Obviously, he is one of the most talented players in baseball his CSW, by the way, on the day was 32%, which is pretty good for a start. Uh, and it was mixing it up between whiffs and called strikes on a lot of his pitches. But yeah, it was not the best start for Otani. It's probably not what he wants to do out there. Speaking of CSWs, Aaron Cifales also was a 32%. What pitches were working for him yesterday? The cutter was really working. He got eight whiffs and five called strikes on the cutter Good for a 43% CSW. He threw that 30 times. Threw the fastball 32 times. Didn't get a lot of whiffs on the fastball. Uh, 14 swings, only one whiff. Uh, Through the sinker 18 times. Through the slider 16 times and got 44% CSW on that slider. Uh, eight swings. He got three whiffs on it, four called strikes. The curveball was also doing good. A 36% CSW on the curveball three swings, two whiffs on the curveball, and two called strikes. And I believe looking back at the highlight of all his strikeouts, a lot of them were on the slider and the curveball away. And in fact, we can go to the Illustrator and we can actually take a look at that. Um, Yeah, and there are a ton of strikeouts on the right edge of the plate. In fact, most of the results, so if you flip to the results tab, you can see all the hits, strikeouts, walks, you know, fielded outs. They're all in there, and they are all located on the right edge of the plate. He's got one strikeout, one strikeout left of center on the plate, uh, and that was a called strike to Rojas, and uh, on a cutter that he threw in on him. Uh, I guess that'd be kind of a backdoor cutter, right, uh, on the left edge of the plate. Uh, everything else is on the right edge of the plate. And I'm talking on the edge of the plate. So, uh, yeah, he definitely had a plan of attack. That's what we love to see in this Illustrator view, is a plan of attack from our pitchers. And Savali had a great plan yesterday, and it worked. I mean, he is now 6-1 and one on the season. His ERA is 3.30. He is really, really pitching well. And, uh, I mean, if you're looking for a starter to possibly make the all-star team this year, obviously Shane Bieber is the big name, but Savali might might get up there by, you know, by July. You know, we got another month and a half to go before we start thinking about that. But I, Savali might be, he might be one of your leaders in wins. It, you know, if not leader in ERA or WHIP or anything like that, he might be one of your leaders in wins, and it might be hard to keep him off an all-star game this year. So, uh, you know what? MVP for the day goes to Aaron Savali for a great, great pitching performance. Um, He did give up the solo home run. Who got him for that solo home run? That would go to Jared Walsh. That's a big, powerful dude, first baseman Jared Walsh. That's why he's your cleanup hitter. And, uh, yeah, other than that, he really, really shut down the uh, the Angels pretty well. I mean, they were only held to five hits on the day. It's a great start for Aaron Zavali. He's MVP for the day. All right. The Indians are coming home. We got a series against the struggling Twins. Um, we'll see if the Twins have to go to any of their position players to pitch and if the Indians players swing away. Obviously, that's a uh, hot-button issue right now in Major League Baseball. And... Uh, now, La Russa an idiot. He's just an absolute out-of-touch idiot. You don't see that from Terry Francona. La Russa not supporting his players. La Russa said he was totally fine with the opposing team throwing at his batter and handling it like that. You would never see something like that from Terry Francona. If there's one thing about Francona, it's, he might be out-of-touch on some things, but it's not when it comes to supporting his players and letting his players play and letting the young personalities shine. We definitely don't have that problem in Cleveland. All right, so we got the Twins coming in. That's all my thoughts. We'll be off tomorrow because there's an off day. We'll be back Saturday with a new episode. So thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Again, the final from L.A. It's the Indians 3, the Angels 2. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Barris. You can email the show at Cleveland Mornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Morning, so you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.